I can understand sometimes because it's funny. I'll watch 90 Day Fiance sometimes, and I'm like, <laughs> that's not what she's saying. <laughs> <laughs> at all <laughs> yeah. so there's times like that or um it's funny i remember thinking my mom never wasn't always very affectionate or um would tell me i was beautiful a lot because my mom's gorgeous and i just had like really low self-esteem about my looks and so on and so mm-hmm. i just thought she reinforced that not realizing is because she was saying a lot of it in Turkish. And since I had stopped speaking in Turkish, I didn't really. You didn't know. But it meant beautiful girl. She would say to me all the time. Or oh, my wow. um, beautiful um, rose and stuff. Like she would say stuff. If you're insecure, you'll remember the bad stuff more than the good. And so mm-hmm. that was where I was. But then contacts entered my life and I didn't feel like it. And I was like, oh, hey, she was saying it a lot. I just didn't. <laughs> Hello, hello! Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad, perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Camille as the guest. Uh, It's funny because when I interviewed Camille, it was March 8th, so International Women's Day, and then by the time this episode comes out, it will have just been... Uh, Mother's Day, a couple days after Mother's Day, so <laughs> and I just thought it was interesting how that timing uh, worked out from one woman-centered day to another. Um, so happy Mother's Day to Camille and all of the mothers and maternal figures out there. And before I tell you about Camille, I do have two uh, pieces of good news to share. So first, I write book reviews. I don't know if you know that, but that's something that I do. And so recently I had the opportunity to write a guest review for Livre Cafe, which is a virtual book club for people of color run by a black woman who's based in Atlanta. And so last month, uh, Dominique, who runs Livre Cafe, published my guest review of a novel called The Shadow King. The Shadow King was written by Maza Mengiste, and so if you are at all interested in Ethiopia, um, learning about a bit about Ethiopian history and the efforts that Ethiopians put in fighting off Italian colonization efforts in the 1930s, then be sure to check out my review. Um, so that is up on. Livre Cafe, that is L-I-V-R-E-C-A-F-E dot com. And thanks again to Dominique for the opportunity. Also, uh, the other piece of good news that I have is that um, my friend Yasha, she is originally from Zimbabwe and she was a guest on Young, Gifted, and Abroad on episode three. So my third guest ever is my friend Yasha. She has recently started a podcast of her own, which is super exciting. So um, she started a podcast called Shake the Table with a fellow Zimbabwean friend of hers. And they just put out the first episode, I think at the end of April. Please check it out. I thought it was really good. Um, If you're interested in knowing more of my thoughts, I did live tweet the episode. (laughs) Not much of a Twitter person, but I did live tweet the episode at YG Abroad on Twitter. And also be sure to listen for yourself and follow Shake the Table on uh, Twitter. I think it's Shake the Table ZW 
and on Instagram, it's also Shake the Table ZW. So, once again, congratulations to you, Nyasha, and I hope everyone goes and listens to your show. I think you're off to an awesome start, and I'm so proud. Okay, so Camille. The guest today is Camille. So, Camille is many things. She is an actor, she's a model, she's an on air personality. And I think she does makeup as well. She just does all kinds of things. Um, and so even though Camille is American, uh, she spent most of her childhood overseas. She is in a military family, so she grew up in Germany, Turkey, and Holland, so the Netherlands, until she moved back to the States uh, as a teenager, like 13, 14 years old. So. I think this episode is more so on the international learning side of things as opposed to uh, traditional study abroad side of things. But what I think is really, really valuable about uh, Camille's story is that, uh, first of all, she has some fascinating uh, tales to tell from her experiences, um, not just living in Europe and, and then transitioning back to living in the States, but also growing up in military and then later growing up in the film industry as well two very specific very challenging industries that allowed her to move around a lot and meet all kinds of people Um, but not only that but Camille has a lot of insight and a lot of very strong opinions on on education Uh, especially um, you know the American education system compared to education system in the country she lived in um, because Again, she knows from experience, she's experienced them both, and also now is having to navigate managing her own daughter's education here in the States, in North Carolina, where she is based now. So, uh, a lot of food for thought, uh, a lot of laughter in this interview. Camille is a very funny person, (laughs) and I really enjoyed being able to talk with her and just to learn about... Uh, where she's been and how she's been able to somehow pull it all together and be the multifaceted, uh, well-adjusted person that she has become. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with my friend, Camille Cower. Yes, it's it's very nice to meet you. Thank you for uh, being so flexible. I know we were supposed to talk last week. Um, no, I'm glad you're feeling better. Yes, I am feeling better. My voice is almost 100% back. <laughs> oh, no. So um, thank you again for your patience and your flexibility. <laughs> no worries. I Like when I was reading back over it, my husband kind of made me feel insecure about it. So I just want to make sure this is cool with you. But my experience is mainly as a child, not yeah. so much as college because I was a military brat. Mm-hmm. So I lived in overseas before I lived in America, so to speak. Right. That's okay. Yeah, that's okay. I try to keep it, uh, you know, a little broad, a little flexible in terms of like the term setting abroad or international learning. Okay. So it's not just... You don't know my life. Yeah, it's not... Great. Yeah, so it definitely... um, I still think it falls under that umbrella, so uh, no worries there. Perfect. Yeah. So, um... 
why don't we start with you introducing yourself, if, if you don't mind? Oh, absolutely. So my name is Camille Cower. I currently live in North Carolina, but I spent most of my life in Europe. Um, well, my childhood. I grew up in Turkey, Germany, and Holland. Hmm. before moving to the States around 13, 14. Yeah. And so you said you grew up abroad before moving to the States. Were you born outside of the U.S. as well? No, actually, I was born here, but I was so young when we moved, I have no recollection of it. Ah, okay. All right. So so for the, until you were like 13 or 14, international life or living abroad was all that you knew. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I was like two, maybe one or two when we left America. So <laughs> no, no memory of that at all. But we lived in Louisiana and California during that time. Okay. And then moved. First place we lived was Germany. And that's where I even started kindergarten. And I went to a German kindergarten, not an American kindergarten. So I was always kind of um, very lucky in that sense never lived on base. So I got to really experience the countries we lived in for the three years or four years we lived there. Mm. And I'm an only child. So that also meant my friends were also would be um, locals to whatever area we lived in. uh, People who worked inside of our home was normally locals as well. Like I was brought up with um, when we lived in Turkey, I had like a Turkish grandmother, so to speak, like that's what she felt like to me. And she lived in lived with us and took care of me and so on. So, yeah, it was definitely a different culture shock when I moved to America, when the only real idea I had of America was mainly through TV and every so often we'd come home for Christmas breaks or certain things like that. And so Mm -hmm. I had a very Hollywood version of what I thought America was like (laughs) until I lived here full time. And then I was like, Oh wait, this is different. (laughs) So like, um, a lot of the English speakers I spoke with were American, but some, some of our teachers were British or Mm -hmm. from Australia or different countries that spoke English or they were from different countries, but spoke English. And so when I moved to America, the first place we moved to was Charlotte, North Carolina. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you're familiar with that area, but It was, at the time, it's not the international place it is now, Mm -hmm. but it was, they put me in ESL for um, English as as a second language because my accent was so strong, they couldn't tell I was speaking English because I had like a Dutch-Germany accent, (laughs) um, which I've gone to a speech pathologist, that's why I don't have it now because... I was bullied so badly with it that I like begged my parents, like most kids beg for toys. And I was like, please help me get rid of this accent. <laughs> so they stopped calling me a Nazi oh. and other N words mixed with it. I'll let you guess, but it was tough. It was really yeah. tough. Cause it was like from both sides, I would get bullied for how I sounded. And I was, I, don't know, I was very different compared to the, the rest of the Americans that I was in school with. <clears throat> yeah. Oh my goodness! I'm so sorry that you got bullied for your, you know, for the way you talked. That is really sad. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I regret it now because um, my ESL teacher was also kind of xenophobic. So she was like, "If you want to, if you to be an American, you can only speak English." Oh so I made gosh. a point of not wanting to speak any other languages anymore. So when my mom would speak Turkish to me, I was like, "No, I only speak English now. I'm an American," and that kind of backfired now as an adult because I only speak English and um, it's kind of broken English if people really pay attention because 
you know, I mean, I'm still kind of, even though I'm an American citizen, I kind of identify more with an immigrant lifestyle in a mm-hmm. way because I had to learn how to be American as opposed to just being raised here, I guess. So. Yeah. But well, whatever. It's a melting pot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be. Yeah. That's so interesting that, um, cause I was going to ask you while I was listening to you. It's like you, you were a military brat. So you're part of this mm-hmm. entity that's like super American. Like there's, if you're measuring Americanness, like the military is like kind, is kind of up there. Yeah. Right. And so. I'm li- I was listening to you and I was like, huh, like, do you even have a, a concept of yourself as American if all you know is living outside of, outside of it, you know? Well, so we were kind of behind. So like when people would send us VHS tapes, I'm giving away my age here, but they would send us videotapes of different TV shows and movies like Dynasty and Dallas, Diana mm-hmm. Ross stuff and Eddie Murphy and um, Ra- um, Richard I can't think of his name. Um, the comedian. Richard Pryor? Yes, Richard Pryor. Okay. Like, they would send us stuff like that. And um, I remember, but like, having to watch American movies way younger than I was probably mature to see, <laughs> like, um, <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street, like anything American we would watch because a lot of the TV was, well, I mean, it was local TV. So it wasn't always in English and not always subtitles. And it's kind of funny, even in Turkey, like, they didn't have color TV. So I grew up with black and white TV. Mm-hmm. And then when they would send us VHS tapes, we'd get all excited. Cause like, oh, it's in color. Because our TV was from the, like Germany, I think. Mm. And so it had color abilities. But just living in Turkey, that wasn't there. And just um, like it was even interesting, the differences in bathrooms. Because in Germany, you, public restrooms, you have to use a token to get into public restrooms. Mm. And then in Turkey, I don't really remember what, I think it was probably the same thing with the tokens, but it was a different kind of bathroom. It was like a hole on the wall. <laughs> I mean, a hole <laughs> in the floor and like step pads for you to, and then there was like a bidet. And so you just, every country has like a new thing to also learn mm-hmm. about. And then when you come to America, you're just kind of like, well, wow, everybody, like toilets are free. And, you know, things that are dumb <laughs> that you take for granted, you know, yeah. like you could just because um, true story. Sometimes my mom would make me get underneath the toilet stall to open it if she didn't have tokens. So I was very excited about free bathroom. You didn't have to do that anymore. <laughs> no more tokens. Because, <laughs> I mean, oh my that's, speaking of the coronavirus, imagine how gross that was. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, just yeah. Kidding. You know, I don't remember it, the joys of the childhood. But, um, <laughs> Even something I show my daughter some of the things I grew up with, and she just thought it was crazy that Mm -hmm. there they would have street performers that would have like bears on leashes that would do like dancing bear routines, Mm. which is crazy to think about. They don't do that here. And like um, camels, different tricks, like I could ride camels for like hear horses almost Mm -hmm. for like not fairs, but different street festivals, they would have those options. And it's just, it was just a lot of differences. Like now being in America and growing or seeing my daughter grow up here, it's like, wow, you're like growing up with all Americans (laughs) and, you know, and they're all from different countries, much like the way I kind of grew up, but without Mm -hmm. having to move. So like, she's got friends that are from Turkey and Germany and France and, um, 
India and Asia and all within one classroom. And I just love that for her. And was thinking like, how could I give her the same child that I had without joining the military? And it's, it's kind of cool that America's kind of becoming that. Well, yeah. it was kind of becoming that. Well, yeah. <laughs> but oh. it's coming back. It's coming back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, that is great that your, your daughter is getting to have that experience. Um, mm-hmm. you know, without having to, to, to go anywhere, relocate multiple times, you know? Yeah. Um, but it seems like, you know, you were able, well, I mean, you were young, so it's not like you knew any different, but it seems mm-hmm. like you were able to adjust pretty well with each, with each move. Um, oh, and I moved a lot. Yeah. Was there a, I'm not from a military family, so I don't know how this works, but did your parents have like a, any sort of like process or approach each time you move to, to try well, and help you thing. be situated? Um, like the military, which is very interesting. Um, cause my dad was an officer and so I don't know if it's different by rank, but mm. officer is, um, in the hierarchy is a little bit higher and he was chief of police. So they took care of all of our moves, which was really nice compared okay. to being in America where we had to pack our stuff ourselves mm-hmm. and everything. So that was nice, but they also did kind of like a cultural class to kind of let you know the difference and like some countries you can't shake hands or, like in Turkey, the um, American Sign Language for tea is actually a cuss word there. So there was like different oh, things wow. they would teach you. So you would be prepared. Don't shake with this hand. Um, women, Single women aren't allowed to be around these. You know, like different things like that. So you would be aware. Mm-hmm. But one funny story. Well, it wasn't funny at the time, but it's funny looking back on it. <laughs> in Turkey, they also had a curfew. And so when we were leaving Germany, we just drove. And because, you know, it's like driving in America from state to state there, it's the same. Like the borders are pretty much, well, they were pretty much open then. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we were driving through Turkey and it's like a ghost town. Nobody's out and we have no idea why no one's out. And we're a black family driving in Turkey. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, we are swarmed by military, oh my goodness. Turkish military yelling at us in Turkish. We don't know Turkish yet. And they have machine guns aimed at us, everything going on. Like, it was full on, Mm -hmm. this could be a Hollywood movie, we're getting ready to die. (laughs) Granted, being that (laughs) when you're in military, they kind of, even as a kid, they kind of train you in some things. I'm hoping this is not like, I might be telling too much, but oh well, the FBI will be at my door. (laughs) Anyway, um, they kind of train you on kind of some of these things, so you're not, I mean, so I wasn't scared. Okay. Like, to some extent, my father, I mean, because this is you know, they kind of train you for these kinds of things. So to mm. be very calm and relax, give over your ID. The only thing you're allowed to give people is your name, rank. Well, my father, anyway, his name, rank, and his social security number. That's pretty much all you're really allowed to give. Mm. So um, they did that and got, or, and I think his commanding officer or something. So they were able to figure out, oh, he didn't know any, we didn't know any better. I don't really remember exactly everything that happened afterwards, but mm-hmm. we didn't go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> we got out. That's we did good. not go to a Turkish prison. <laughs> we all got to live to tell the tale. But that was one of those things where you're like, hmm, missed that day in class, did we? <laughs> About <Yeah>. the curfew. Because <laughs> it was like, I, it was really early. Because I remember my mom's friends, sometimes if after dinner we got carried away, they would have to spend the night. Mm. Okay. So it may have been like 9 or 10 o'clock at night. Which, I mean, just thinking about that in America, imagine 
everything shuts down at nine or ten o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Period. No movies, wow. no theater, nothing. Yeah. Kind wow. of crazy. Yeah, I mean, because there are some towns, some places within the states that are like that, but it's not like the yeah. entire country is like that. Right. Wow, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's intense. <laughs> I'm glad nothing <laughs> happened to y'all. <laughs> Same. I mean, otherwise I wouldn't be here to tell this story. Right. But it's, it's interesting looking back the things that have encountered that seems so normal then but looking back as an adult like wow yeah i didn't realize how close to death i was right (laughs) or it could have been so because like um my daughter now has to do which is terrifying to even think about that in america you have to do these things but they have to do active shooter drills Mm, yeah and in the military we would do like bomb threats drills wow because um there was all this stuff going on with nato and different things i remember it was really important for us to dress like civilians all the time, even my father when we weren't on base mm-hmm. or even acknowledge any military stuff sometimes just hanging around. I mean, obviously, when you've got guns on you, then's a good time to be like, hey, by the way, <laughs> you don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. But with the general public, because you just never knew who was good or bad. And um, there was like an attempt to uh, a kidnapping and stuff. Like, it was crazy there. Wow. You just never knew. Yeah. You had to be careful. Yeah, so you had to kind of be uh, aware and, and, like, prepared for various situations just in mm-hmm. case. Because, I mean, this is the Berlin Wall was still up. Like, it was a completely different time. Oh, my goodness. Okay, yeah, wow, yeah. 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 Holy crap. You were living in Germany during this time, too? Oh, yeah, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, completely different time. So, like... I was exp- I wasn't expecting any racism or anything in America because I was like, well, you know, you guys don't have Bob wire keeping people separated and yeah. you know, slavery's over, civil rights, yeah, all that. You know, we're coming from Europe where everybody, even though all that stuff was going on, mm-hmm. I never felt racism. I never felt that divide by race or everybody got along. And if anything, there was in Holland, which is kind of funny looking back. Um, so they do this thing called Swartz Pete, which is basically oh yes, black I've heard of this. Yeah, around you've heard of this, okay? Yeah. So as a kid, and not knowing the history of blackface, it was a cool thing to me growing up because everybody thought I was related to them or possibly, and so they were really nice to me. It was like, oh, mm. you can put in a good word for me. So it was almost like being kind of a celebrity-ish feeling <laughs> around other kids because they thought that. But then as an adult and many debates later because I was indoctrinated into it. You know, that's the way I kind of celebrated Christmas was the way the Europeans did because we didn't have access to Christmas trees and the things that are very um, easy to get in America. You didn't have it there. Like, imagine trying to find Christmas lights in Turkey. Mm. It's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't exist. So it's like, even with Santa and all of that, I didn't really grow up with that. I grew up with St. Nicholas. He looked like a Pope with long, like it was all different. And so Mm -hmm. with my daughter, thankfully now that she's over saying, I can talk about it, but I was just like, I didn't grow up with this. This is fun. Let's figure this out. And Mm -hmm. you know, I got a little over Americanized with it, I think, but (laughs) I still, because I grew up with St. Nick, we still did that as well with the um, Dutch shoes and the carrots and chocolates and stuff. Wow. That's so interesting how you said you didn't really, uh, you didn't really experience any racism or, you know, identify certain things like, um, 
I don't want to mess up the name, but that the Christmas tradition that you mentioned, oh, yeah, you didn't recognize. I'm sorry, could you say that again? Yeah, Swartzapete. Swartzapete. So Black Pete, basically. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> but you, you know, you, you didn't recognize things like that as racist because that's just how you grew up. For what, where's I mean, like, there was no real black people there. So yeah. they're like trying to show, but I'm like, because they have no reference point. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do now because there's been a lot of immigration there, but when only brown people for the most part are military mm-hmm. or the children the military left behind, oh, which dang. is a completely different story. Yeah. You know, it's different. It, like, you don't really have a reference point yeah. for them either on their side. Like, and when you grow up not thinking it's a bad thing, it's hard to be like, no, it's innocent. And then you're like, oh, wait, they mm-hmm. could have done that better. <laughs> yeah. Or not did it at all. Yeah. But, I f- that's interesting, though, because I feel like here it's like, uh, well, you know, when, when you grow up here, it's like you kind of learn to be hypervigilant. You know, like you have to recognize, like as a black person growing up here, it's like you have to, it's, it's almost seen as like a necessity for, for like survival to be aware at all times of different types of racist things that are happening around you. Um, and of course there's criticism like of people being too sensitive, but it's just like when you have our history, you know, you got to look at things differently. You got to be aware. Like, people don't... I'm rambling, but, like, stay woke. No, but, I mean, people don't realize... completely different. Yeah. Like, people don't realize yeah. stay woke was about... It was about, originally, like, black people being aware of stuff going on that was uh hindering them in society in, like, the, you know, 70s or whatever. Like, that's where it came from before it became, like, this trendy phrase that everyone uses, you know? So, it's just, like, you kind of... I mean, I don't know for you if that was kind of something you felt like you had to catch up on in terms of just, like, (laughs) being aware of racism. You know, it it was a matter of, like, it was a little bit different. Like, I kind of, because my dad was chief of police, Mm -hmm. there was a hierarchy there. He was equivalent to being, like, a mayor, so Mm -hmm. to speak. Like, he was the boss, right? Yeah. So everybody had to, on, on base anyway, which is where most of, if any racism would happen, because that's an American thing, yeah, I would say. Because um, in different race, different cultures, I think it's just the light skin, dark skin thing. You mm. know what I mean? Like it's within their own culture, they do that kind of differentiation, but not so much. Oh, you're black. You know, it's just who's light, who's dark, or who's poor, who's rich. Like um, rich. There's a different caste system there in a way, as mm-hmm. opposed to here. It's just it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, if you're black we're going to be racist towards you mm-hmm. type of thing. And one thing I felt because of that, I never experienced because I had that kind of protection bubble there yeah. where everybody was always saluting my father and treating me a certain way for mm-hmm. the most part. So then when I came to America, I felt a lot of the black people here still had that slave mentality because we were in the South first where it was just like, they felt like they still had to ask for permission Dang. to be seen or to be heard and I didn't have that like I always felt like oh no you're gonna hear me oh no right. my opinion matters like I'm not gonna be invisible mm-hmm. like I always just was not so much combative but I lived in that privilege of mm-hmm. think, not realizing I was gonna be treated differently until I started getting treated differently and I'd yeah gotten a lot of trouble gotten a lot of fights because I didn't I wasn't 
I wasn't Going down capable of just letting it go. Yeah. Or letting people just say the N-word around me. Like, even with black people, I don't like people saying the N-word around me because it meant something completely different to mm. us growing up. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, you know, you say N-word, up. Oh, nope, it's time. <laughs> Those are blows. <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> if you go that far. Mm. And Because even, like, Nazi was equivalent over there in the sense of, mm. if you say that word, we're fighting. Mm. So to come to America and get called both sometimes, it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what <laughs> like I just couldn't take everybody on all the time yeah yeah and also just learning the difference you know like and just also feeling like they were like I've always kind of volunteered and stuff with political parties because of that same rationale of I'm not going to be silenced I'm not going to be a token I can't be quiet mm-hmm. and you're not going to not listen to me yeah so hmm. I don't know my husband he um, he jokingly says, <laughs> whenever he's like, whoa, here comes Yolanda, because <laughs> that's my first name. Oh, okay. So he, he's like, oh, it's like my split personality <laughs> in this world. Because <laughs> it's like, I'm very prime and proper. Some call uppity, I guess is a term or sedity or whatever. I don't know what that means. But hmm. anyway, I've been called it. So I'm like that. And then say something racist or try to ignore me and the other girl comes out. Wow. Yeah. It's just. I feel bad that there's still so many people who live that way. And because I have that ability to speak up for myself, I'm mm-hmm. going to do it. Yeah. And like my mom remarried and my father that she remarried to, he was in SNCC and a freedom writer. Mm. So he had that same yeah. way of growing up because he grew up in the North and just really instilled that question authority, um, you're an equal to whether it's a man or a race, like it doesn't matter. You should be treated equally. And, mm-hmm. you know, you always like taught me that fighting spirit for myself as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's good that you have, I mean, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that that is like almost like an, an anomaly or it was for you where you ended up growing up when you came back to the States where you were so willing to speak up for yourself and advocate for yourself but, um, I mean, I'm glad you haven't let anyone, like, shut you up this far. <laughs> so, um, getting to the, like, the study, the study part of this, of your experience. I think you said, if I remember correctly, you went to 26 different schools. I did. Before you graduated high school. Yes. And, for the, okay, so I'll start from the beginning. Okay, wow. Okay, um, yes. <laughs> of course, Germany, and then Turkey, and then yeah. Holland. And those were, uh, within Germany, I went to two different schools from kindergarten being a German school and then finally going to an American school. Mm-hmm. And then in Turkey, I just went to one school there. Um, in Holland, just one school there. And then when we moved to America, I started in Charlotte. And then from Charlotte, we moved to a small town. I lived with my grandmother for a little while, and that was in Anson County. And then we moved up to Chapel Hill in North Carolina. And then we moved to Hillsboro in North Carolina. And then we moved to, I can't remember which state we moved to first. I think it was California. Mm -hmm. We lived there for a while. Then we moved to Utah, Jersey, New York, back to California, Texas, um, back to North Carolina. And some of these times it was like 
my parents ended up buying a house in North Carolina, so we'd go somewhere for a couple of months, then back. Because my mom ended up, while she was also in the Air Force, mm-hmm. and she ended up becoming this crazy black belt karate person while we were in Europe, and she did all these different championships there mm-hmm. and won like all these different titles. So when she moved to America, she became uh, a stunt woman. So she was doing oh, stunts wow. in different movies, That's and my so cool. stepfather, who I love as my father, so I call father, he is a movie producer. So it was just every six months or so, we were moving for them to do whatever movie or TV show they were working on. Mm-hmm. So like they worked on A Man Called Hawk, which was um, the Spencer for Hire spinoff, hmm. uh, New Jack City, Jason's Lyric, hmm. uh, Who's the Man, Women of Brewster's Place. Uh, there's a movie of the week that that's what we did in Utah. I can't really remember the name of it, but it was mm-hmm. interesting because it was about this guy who was teaching that the whole World War II didn't really happen with the whole Nazi thing. And I was mm. like, wait, what? Like <laughs> Anne Frank was fake. Like they was trying. It was it was like a real story that happened, but it was oh just interesting to see it as a movie. Like, yeah. Having lived in Germany and Holland and have gone to those museums in real life, it was just, it was mind. Just great, like yeah, I couldn't believe there's people who believe that mm-hmm. none of that really existed, which is another good reason that it's important to go visit the places that you're learning about. Yeah, um, for sure. Else but I, I moved all over, basically all over America. I've we traveled through. Wow, I went to school, so that's why I'm like different areas. It was interesting to see how different the um, interactions were with different people and the cultures and. Like, I loved living in New York for that same reason. There were so many different, from different cultures and expressions. And mm-hmm. even in Jersey, it was like that. But then you go to California and there, it seemed like race didn't matter at all. It was more of a, if you're in the industry, if you're not in the industry and how much money you have, like that mm-hmm. would decide how you were treated more than race. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I think traveling around I just felt way more comfortable in California than anywhere else for that reason Mm because there wasn't so much of a having to fit in and fill in just one box when I don't really fit into just one box because Mm -hmm. of all the traveling and just being expert you know exposed to so much Mm -hmm. yeah and and it's like you um you it's like you went from one very specific industry to another very specific industry. <laughs> yeah, and still luckily on the upper hierarchy of it. So Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, so you nice. you've probably seen I mean obviously like you said you moved around a lot but then got to see so many things you know because i feel like the mill i mean I've, i'm sure more people are f- more of the average people are familiar i think they're familiar with the military like military life versus being in the entertainment industry but it's both like stuff that's very you kind of don't similar. understand it if you're not in it you know yeah i mean it's surprising how similar it is in the sense of you make these relationships really quickly but you know they're gonna end yeah because yeah, somebody's getting ready to get stationed somewhere else or they're going to go work on another project. Maybe you'll see each other again. But a lot of times with military, you never saw people again. Which right. I wish we had social media then because, like, there's one best friend that I'm always still worry, wondering about. I wonder where she is. And Aww. I may never find out because maiden name or married name, you know. Yeah. 
She right. could still be in Europe for all I know. I have no idea, but we were really close. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like, you kind of miss out on being able to stay connected that way because, you know, so many things we have now didn't exist. Yeah, or even just the bonds between family, like with mm-hmm. cousins growing up, seeing them on a regular basis, aunts and uncles. Like, I would see them once every six years or, <laughs> you know, so they became strangers. Now I'm very close to them, but it was... It was very, it was very different. Yeah, growing up that way. Yeah, it's one of those sacrifices they don't really acknowledge as much about for military kids mm-hmm. how much they go through being moved around so much and not being able to kind of learn how to have long term friendships or relationships. Like I was planning on never getting married because I was like, how would I know how to stay? stay with something longer than three years the longest time I lived anywhere was three years and that was overseas until I got married and we moved to back to North Carolina from LA and this is the longest I've lived anywhere and I still don't feel completely like I fit in here because there is that cultural difference where it's still not very progressive and there is that divide between races and cultures sometimes Mm -hmm. with the older generation but not so much with the younger generation like my daughter doesn't I don't feel like she feels as much Mm -hmm. of that that I felt when I moved here yeah because I didn't look or sound like everybody else yeah yeah and that's interesting you know right (laughs) (laughs) um but that's interesting though because when when I first saw like you you wrote you mentioned the 26 schools thing, and I assume that was all while you were abroad, like you were having to move countries and also mm. go to 26 schools in the process. And I was like, wow, that sounds really stressful. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. It's funny because, honestly, I didn't know I had gone to that many schools. Like, it never felt like that many. I would have assumed 10. Like, it mm-hmm. didn't feel like a lot. Okay. But when I was applying to colleges – they requested transcripts and a list of the schools I went to. So that became like a research project in itself. (laughs) I didn't realize how many times we had moved. And it's funny. We only turned in 23 and then we found three more. Yeah. So whatever. But needless to say, I will not be going to grad school. (laughs) I do not want to try to figure that out again. (laughs) I'm like, I'm done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even the high school I graduated from, they gave me my transcripts because they closed. I'm like, I don't think that's going to even be legal. (laughs) (laughs) If I did try, (laughs) like, uh, I don't think you can do that. Yeah. (laughs) I could change it if I wanted to. (laughs) But, oh, well, whatever. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm I'm curious. I know that you didn't go to as many schools while you were abroad as you were (laughs) back when you were in the States. But, I mean, just as you know, a kid going to school, was it a, an adjustment for you going from the different schools that you went to when you were in, you know, in Germany and, and Turkey and Holland? Like, or did uh, you kind of just go with the flow when you went to each school? Well, the biggest difference from, well, like the biggest difference from going from German kindergarten, like German schools, they really try to teach you life skills as well, Okay, which is interesting, even at a kindergarten level, like, you learn how to be a family, so to speak. Like each person is given different roles within. We had like a built uh, a kitchen mm-hmm. part of our like a working kitchen that was kid level. So you would learn how to cook different foods and like kind of how to run a house as well as 
learning how the alphabet and reading and writing all of like it was a whole um like a Montessori type education Mm -hmm. there and then to go to American school it was a little bit different but it was because it's a military school not everybody's kids are around the same age Mm. you know like it's a so the class sizes were really small Mm -hmm. (laughs) compared to America because maybe there'd be 30 first graders in the entire school Mm -hmm. and so they would break it up differently and maybe you would have the same teacher two years in a row because what I mean I don't even know like the logistics on their side but it was interesting there that way then to come to America and have classes where each class was 30 people Mm -hmm. and also having that language cultural barrier too because it's not like they teach you they teach you from different countries, but they just assume America, you know, because your parents are American. Hmm. And so coming here, there was still a lot of cultural things I had to learn. And there they did like cotillions and all that stuff. And um, church was so different there, too, because it was kind of non-denominational in a way or whatever was the strong, um, the predominant religion there mm-hmm. in that country was. You would have more representation. Oh, sorry, my Siri overheard me by accident. Stop talking to me. <laughs> sorry, because <laughs> I was moving my arm too much. <laughs> that was weird. She scared me. But, um, I was like, "Oh, the FBI." No. Um, so, uh, so there was that part of it that made it different. But even when I moved to America, the difference on at the level you were taught. It wasn't until I got an iPhone that I realized a lot of the things I spelt was the European spelling for mm-hmm. things like color. Mm-hmm. I always had a U in it, favorite. So then I would see all these red squiggly lines on words that I've been spelling pretty much my whole life. And I was yeah. like, there's no U in that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then realized, oh, English, they spell it different here. And mm-hmm. um, even though I went to American schools, it was just different prepositions were always really hard for me because they're they were very literal so if they said switch on the light you would assume it was a switch not a turn dial you know so Mm. like different things it was just very literal and so when I remember somebody told me they lived up north and I remember like looking up like how is that possible (laughs) but they meant New York you know they lived further north not Uh dead north up into the sky oh my goodness yeah so there was like things like that that was just like what like I was just very confused a lot of my childhood oh my goodness went with it as opposed to asking questions and then as I got older I said oh that's funny now I get it wow (laughs) you know because I would they're very literal and very sarcastic too so that was also a cultural thing I had to work around. Yeah, I had to get used to. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And like here, you know, um, churches are very segregated and mm-hmm. very separate. There, they're not. So you come here and you're just like, whoa, why is the church all one color? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or why, like the whole, um, like the preachers and the deacon, like everybody's the same. And there, no one would be the same. Mm-hmm. It'd be Asian and Hispanic and, you know, like literally every single person would be represented in everywhere you went mm-hmm. to some extent on base or yeah. in schools for the most part. And then just to come here and be like, wow, I thought segregation was over. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not, not on Sundays. Or, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, and even like the beauty shops, they weren't segregated. Huh. And here they are. Cause you, I mean, it was every, there was on base, there was only 
one beauty shop, one barber shop, one department store. Mm-hmm. So they had everything for you, fashion fair, everything. Like it was all mixed together as opposed to an ethnic section or, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. So there was just things like that even that was different. And it's, I mean, like just even talking with you now, just thinking about how different it was. <laughs> like I wish America could realize how much better it could be if it wasn't so segregated. Mm. We, I mean, my mom had friends of every color. Mm-hmm. I had friends of every color. And to come here, be like, oh, no, you can't do that. Or that's not, you know, well, at least in the South. Mm-hmm. It's like, ooh. Um, we can be friends, but you can't come over to my house because my parents don't like Ugh. black people. You know, things like that. You're like, what? Yeah. That existed? Like, you know, I just wasn't aware. Mm-hmm. And so that was another thing culturally. I had to, like, no, I'm not, we're not dating if I can't meet your parents. Like, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah. And on both sides, because there, it's funny, there was one time one of my best friends, I pick on him about this still to this day. Mm-hmm. I called his house and his grandmother picked up and she was, like furious that I called their house. He's like, I told you about dating white girls. You're going to get yourself killed. And I'm like yelling in the back. I'm black. (laughs) 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 And I felt like that movie queen where Halle Berry's like, I'm coming. I'm coming. (laughs) She's like trying to convince him to let her in. And that's the way I felt. Cause there was, (laughs) that happened more than once over the phone. And that's when I was like, I want a path. I want a speech pathologist. Everybody's picking on me. Uh-huh. That's so sad. <laughs> no, well, it's even because um, being in the film industry, the first like speaking role I got, they dubbed over me <laughs> with somebody else's voice, and my mouth isn't even moving, which is kind of funny on uh-huh. the editing side, but whatever. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's when I was like, my yeah. That's when it all changed after that. They're like, okay, maybe you might <laughs> need somebody. Because they thought it was cute. And probably looking back, it probably did sound cute. But uh-huh. kids are cruel. and Yeah. When you're a kid, you're just sensitive to that instead of learning to be. Like now kids are so strong and just living in their truth and mm-hmm. be who you are. And back then, it wasn't really kids were speak when spoken to type thing right you know so it's just like even in that difference of no you can be different be who you are it's Mm -hmm. totally fine we'll learn to accept it yeah well just so i can have a clearer picture between germany and turkey and holland which one did you spend the most time in like turkey turkey okay that that, you spent the most number of years in turkey okay yeah okay four years there yeah what was that like living there I, I'm just not familiar with like day-to-day life or even just going to school in Turkey you know I mean how 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 was that for you so we lived in a high-rise that was predominantly Turkish celebrities and or football player uh, soccer players mm-hmm. and military like attaches so it was like a gated community we had marble floor like Looking back, we were living the life because there was real <laughs> gold stuff. And now I'm like, man, oh, wow. we should have taken some, you know, like it was fancy. <laughs> yeah. The fanciest my life has ever been. Mm-hmm. Well, I went to a nice room in Vegas and I was like, okay, this, this is what I, the lifestyle I'm used to. Thanks. But <laughs> that was our home. Hmm. And there was one time 
you just like everybody got along and um I remember just like you would become friends with people uh, within your neighborhood because they're like, oh, if you live here, you must belong. So I was hanging out with this really famous singer who Turkish people would know her, but I didn't know her from Adam. Like, and she became my friend and would teach me makeup stuff. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so there's, it was nice to be exposed to that kind of stuff and just live within the community in that sense, as opposed to being on a military base and maybe only learning, only being around the same people you were going to school with and working Mm -hmm. with and like 24 seven and being that my dad was a military, I mean, the chief of police, he needed that space. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Otherwise he would never be off. Yeah. Too. And my mom felt like she was constantly under watch as well as to live up to what is expected from her being his spouse. Yeah. So that kind of just, all of us were able to be more, I guess, free and open and whatever. But, um, it's funny, like looking back, like we would slide on people's cars. That was like our fun thing to do. Like it was a slide. (laughs) (laughs) You couldn't do that. (laughs) And, um, and I remember that because I have a cut on my knee from somebody's license plate. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So we didn't, yeah, that was the last time of that. But um, I don't know. It was so different because I don't know what it was called, but there's also these different religious ceremonies. So you would have all these um, at different times of the day for prayer. Mm -hmm. They would be singing out of the mosque. And it was beautiful. Like, I don't remember how many times a day, maybe three or, I don't know, somebody Muslim could say exactly how many times because I don't know. But Mm -hmm. I just remember loving that and being exposed to that. And, uh, like just, I don't know, it gave you a really great appreciation for the culture and just, I don't know, um, like that's my favorite kind of food to eat is Turkish food. When we go for holidays, we go to a Turkish restaurant. My mom's still fluent and, um, my nanny that I had, she can't, she came to visit us and she actually ended up moving to America for a while, but she recently moved back Mm -hmm. or not recently, I guess it's been about 10 years now. Mm. You know, so, and in Turkey, it's very, very family oriented, but you kind of pick your own family too. Hmm. So like, even now she refers to me as her niece. I refer to her as my aunt oh. and we're very close still. That's wonderful. And, um, so, I mean, I'm very grateful for that experience. Yeah. I think it helps me with raising my daughter and giving her that same independence I was kind of brought up with and respect for different cultures and letting her know her friends don't have to look like her. She can be friends with whoever, different races, different cultures, different religions. Mm-hmm. Like I, I welcome it. Yeah. I mean, what was it like? Were you in another American school in Turkey as well? Or were you in a I local was. school? Okay. I was. Um, but I also went to like weekend school at a Turkish school. Okay. Because I was an only child, so it was my parents' way of getting a break. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. <laughs> so, because I was a very active child. And I, um, my mom's going to hate me outing her on this, but whatever. I'm an adult. Spank me if you want to. You got to catch me first. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yay. <laughs> Finally outrun her. Um. So there, it like the whole alcohol thing wasn't an age limit thing. And so like at dinner, 
I would have wine with dinner, a little small, like it was like a kid-sized cup of a wine glass. Wait, no, wait, a kitty cup no. of wine? Yes. Oh my it God. was a wine glass, but it was like the size for a kid, like okay. it was made that way. Like this oh is the way things were there. Okay, all right. And my mom was like, this is the best thing ever because now she finally goes to sleep. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> she was like, thank you, turkey. <laughs> oh my god. And I don't know if it was just my, um, like, nanny or whatever <laughs> taught her that trick, if it was a universal law there. Mm-hmm. So I have not asked. Yeah. <laughs> so it could have been just in my. <laughs> Yeah. Or maybe with the hyper kids, they did that with. <laughs> I also had a sleepwalking <laughs> issue. So that, like, wow. it killed it. Yeah. I mean, when we moved back to Holland, it came back because I guess they didn't have that there. There's other things that didn't have legal limits, but huh. I didn't get to partake in those. Okay. Wow. Um, you know what I'm talking about in Holland, right? So, <laughs> yes, I do know what you're talking not, about. I'm not dry snitching anymore today. I'm not. <laughs> Kidding. I'm not. She didn't. She's a good girl. Yeah. Not saying you're bad if you do. Never mind. I'm just going to stop. No, I, I got you. I got you. Well, I mean, you know, they have, um, yeah. don't they give hot toddies to kids sometimes? And that has hot alcohol in it, right? Yeah. I mean, so. I, yeah. Like, I remember my grandmother told me to put whiskey in my daughter's gums when she was thieving. Yeah. And I was I've like, heard that before, uh, too. But she was also, oh no, she was adamantly against it. Somebody else told me actually. She was okay. like, that's how you make an alcoholic. <laughs> you start them young. Oh my goodness. <laughs> whiskey on their guns. I was like, well, let me tell you a story, Grandma. I've been drinking wine for a long time. Yeah. And I don't drink at all now, so. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Wow. <laughs> Doesn't always work out that way. Oh, right. Wow. So, so they kept you busy with, you know, you had school and then you also had weekend school because you were such an active child. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I did, like Turkish dance classes. <laughs> yeah. And I remember, cause I still have some of my school books and where I'm feeling like the school workbooks and stuff. Uh-huh. Very Turkish stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. But it was interesting also there, maybe because it's closer to the Middle East and Africa and all that. I wasn't as an anomaly there. There was a lot of people closer to my color there as well. Mm. So it was just, it was interesting looking back now where people are just assume everybody in the Middle East is white, when yeah. it's not necessarily the case. There is a um, black Turkish population or darker skinned mm-hmm. population. I don't know if they would necessarily identify as calling themselves black, but. Mm. Did you, did you become fluent in like, as you went from, did you become fluent in German yes, and I had Turkish to. and Dutch? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Holland, interestingly enough, they teach English and Dutch kind of, not necessarily simultaneously, but they teach it the way here in Spanish, but they actually get fluent there for whatever reason. Compared mm. to here, you might not get Spanish fluent in school, but there yeah. they teach it at a very young age. So a lot of my friends that lived in my neighborhood could speak Dutch and English you know, so we could go, we could switch back and forth. Every other word could be Dutch or English. Like, you mm-hmm. know, it was really easy in that sense. And uh, Yeah. So you were but, like, yeah. what were you, like quadrilingual? Is that, is that even a word? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I spoke German, Turkish, Dutch, and English. Wow. So four languages. That's amazing. 
But then when you you said when you when you came here and you felt like you had to, I guess assimilate linguistically. Yeah. Did you lose all that? And so now you only I did. Speak English? I mean, I okay. can understand. I can understand sometimes because it's funny. I'll watch Ninety Day Fiance sometimes, and I'm like, <laughs> that's not what she's saying <laughs> <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah. So there's times like that, or. Um, you know, like I know when I'm in trouble when my because my mom will talk back to me in Turkish or wow. something. But, so I remember, and I it's funny. I remember thinking my mom never wasn't always very affectionate or um, would tell me I was beautiful a lot. But then I realized she would say it in Turkish a lot. So was, that's why I didn't remember it oh. as an adult. It just felt like it's weird what kids remember, yeah. and I just felt like my mom like I don't know I had a weird relationship with my mom for a while there because mm. I felt like she didn't think I was I don't know like because my mom's gorgeous and I just had like really low self-esteem about my looks and so on and so mm. I just thought she reinforced that not realizing is because she was saying a lot of it in Turkish and since I had stopped speaking in Turkish I didn't really you didn't know always notice it yeah. as that and just was like oh she's just calling me something sweet and but it meant beautiful girl she would say to me all the time or oh, my wow. um, beautiful um, rose and stuff like she would say stuff and now I'm like oh yeah she did say that <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, or um, she would say I love you a lot in Turkish because we would be out in public and she would just say stuff in Turkish a lot. Yeah. And so it's just, you know, it's weird what kids will, how your memories will play tricks on you or if you're insecure, you'll remember the bad stuff more than the good. And so Mm -hmm. that was where I was. But then contacts entered my life and I didn't feel like it. And I was like, Oh wait, she was saying it a lot. (laughs) I just didn't, you know? Yeah. So, but, and that's funny because even with my friends, that moved here from America when they were talking to me about, like I had a girlfriend that's from Brazil and she was expressing to me how she was going to try to um, raise her kids bilingual. I'm like, that's pointless. Schools will um, beat it out of them, not mm-hmm. beat it out, but they'll want to become American and they'll, mm-hmm. they'll beat it out of them type of thing. And then, but I was like, if you can do it, but just make sure you always talk to her at home in um, Portuguese. Cause that was the thing, like, that she mm-hmm. talks back with you as well, not just you yeah. talk to her and she speaks back in English, because that's what I did with my mom Yeah, a lot. That would just reply in English, and then after a while, I was like, ugh, mm-hmm. I don't really... And also, I didn't have people to practice with, because it was predominantly Asian or Hispanic here in mm. America. There wasn't German and Turkish people yeah. where, where we lived, so I didn't... And even if I wanted to... I mean, how many teenage girls are going to talk to their parents a lot, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah. even if she was the only person for me to talk to, it would, after a while, I probably would not. Mommy, I want to speak American. <laughs> it's, I know it's English, but I'm yeah. Gonna, no, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. A rude teenager. <laughs> yeah. When you got older, did you ever have, um, or like as an adult, have you had any desire to, to pick those languages back up? Or do you want your your own daughter to be bilingual or multilingual? Uh, honestly, I left it up to her. Okay. In that sense, because it's so much different than when you're living in a country and it's automatic that you learn that language. Mm-hmm. As opposed to here, you have to study it. You have to practice it. You have to have your heart into it to really yeah. learn. So, like, I took Spanish here. I, when I lived in L.A., I could speak Spanish pretty fluently almost, but... Mm-hmm. 
now that I'm back in the South, <laughs> I have a very bad Spanglish. <laughs> very bad. Okay. You know, you hear so many people mispronounce stuff. You start jokingly saying it, and then you go back to LA, you're like, oh, crap. Mm-hmm. How do I say this again? Mm-hmm. Right away? So, yeah. Yeah. It seems... This is something I was curious about even before I, I spoke to you. It's just that you've, you know, you've moved around a lot, you, living in different countries, as we just mentioned, learning different languages. And then even here, all the adjustments you had to make, all the different moves and all that that you experienced. But you seem like a very well-adjusted person. And I'm just wondering, how is that? how did that become possible for you that with everything you've uh, experience both, you know, abroad at the beginning of your life and then here in the States. How how have you managed to be so well adjusted? I honestly don't know. Okay. Because <laughs> sometimes I'm like, wow, I'm re- I'm due for a nervous breakdown or... Oh, um, no. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I think, because I... I <clears throat> Even in college, I majored in sociology. Mm-hmm. I've always been fascinated with people in groups. And, like, I'm a huge extrovert. I love talking to people. My daughter kind of gets annoyed going to the grocery store with me because I speak with everyone. I love people. Yeah. And meeting new people, going to new schools. Like, I, I loved it. I, I was excited every time I was at a new school. I didn't like wow. leaving people. Okay. Like, that was always sad. But yeah. there was new opportunities, new people to you know, to get to know new things to learn from them. Just, I get, uh, my husband was annoyed with me, but I was always like, I can't, don't you want to move? Aren't you ready to move? Like, <laughs> you really have to stay here forever. Like, I like moving. I, uh, yeah. I love sunny, warm places too. And North Carolina is not always sunny and warm in the summer. Mm-hmm. I don't want to move at all. Like I love it here, but mm-hmm. during the winter, I'm like, aren't you ready to move? <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. But, um, I think also that my parents were very involved with me. Like they were involved in my school. My mom always volunteered at whatever school I was at or Mm -hmm. she taught there. And so I always had someone kind of that normalized wherever I was. And even with my stepfather, I have to give him like 100% of the credit on this sometimes too because he was so involved in my life. Like he made sure I had tutors to help with the gaps in Mm -hmm. education And sadly, I wasn't diagnosed with dyslexia until college, Mm. but that also like, um, probably helped me create who I am now in the sense that I love acting and storytelling is because I had to overcome my dyslexia and try to hide it. And because of the language barrier or uh, the different languages I learned, they assumed that was why I couldn't read and write on the same level as people the same age as me. Mm-hmm. But I was so articulate and well um, spoken at the same time and had such creative ideas from moving around so much Yeah, that it kind of like I, they would grade me for the content, not for the spelling and the grammar errors. Cause like she's moved around a lot. You got to give her <laughs> gaps in her education. You got to understand that. Mm-hmm. And that's what they assumed instead of, <clears throat> finding out I was dyslexic. So now it all makes sense why grammar rules just didn't stick and why reading sometimes I would get the words confused when I was reading aloud. And now sometimes I have to memorize scripts. I use teleprompters. Like I can do all of that because of all of that, all the moving around and just having to kind of fin for myself to some extent. And also just 
I loved it. Um, I wouldn't change anything as far as that goes. Like, I'm glad my daughter's getting the experience of the idea of having friends since preschool, but at the same time, I find it very weird. <laughs> like, you're not, you're not sick of them. <laughs> you're not. You're not you don't want to move from our house because of our neighbors. Like, I don't understand that. Like, right. Don't get it. I don't know. Yeah. It's an odd concept. I would want to go. I'm ready to go anytime they're ready. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh and my I'm goodness. not that attached to stuff. Like, I could sell everything in my house but my photo albums and be ready to move. And oh. art. Cause, yeah. yeah. I mean, where, where would you want to move if y'all were to move somewhere? If, if all was normal. Mm-hmm. I would probably want to live back over abroad or California. Okay. Because I felt California was one of those places where people got along really well and at all ages, from my experience, even from going there in schools. Mm-hmm. And then um, I really liked the culture that I had in Turkey, but it's so different now. It's way more conservative than it was when I lived there and like all mm-hmm. the war stuff. So I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't want to live there now. But at the time, it was, I loved all of the like the bazaars and the animals just being able to, I mean, it might be kind of weird now that, but that we're just running around in the street mm-hmm. <laughs> types that are not streets, but just were easy access type things. Yeah. And as opposed to here, they're, they're like in farms and gated up and they're, they're like walking around with their sheep herder or whoever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. But I really like tropical weather. So then I'm like, New Zealand. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is there anywhere that you're thinking you'd like to go? Like, besides thinking of moving, just places you would like to visit? Is there any, like, countries out in the yes, world that. I have a long bucket list. Okay. Um, Australia <laughs> was always my first place until all the weird stuff happened there. But um, mm-hmm. Australia, New Zealand, Asia, I always wanted to go there anywhere, yeah. honestly. Uh, I loved Italy whenever we went for like vacations. Mm-hmm. So I would like, well, not now, coronavirus, but yeah. <laughs> maybe by the time this airs, that's not an issue anymore. So fingers maybe. crossed. Because <laughs> the flights there are apparently really cheap. So I'm just like, oh, this yeah. is so tempting. I've heard that too. Yeah. Is it worth it? <laughs> oh, I want to go so bad. So it's like, <gasps> I just can't look at it. Stop mm-hmm. sending me messages. Um, about it because my friends know that's one of my bucket list places because I'm yeah. like is this where I'm gonna die mm-hmm. <laughs> is it worth it no not really um and then um I went to Hawaii and I really loved it there but I got island fever after a month so I feel like anywhere that's like Hawaii but maybe bigger okay have you heard of that before with island fever? No, I didn't know if, if oh. that was an actual fever or just like wanting to go back, like how people say baby fever. Oh my God, it's horrible. I, cause I get, I have claustrophobia, so I don't know if it's part of that, but it's just like feeling like you needed to be on more land. Like you just felt like any minute the oh. island is going to shrink onto you. It was really weird. Gotcha. Feeling. So it's like cabin it really fever. Weird. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Like I mean, you have granted, to, I was okay. also there. I was only supposed to be there for two weeks and found out I had to get like surgery while I was there. So I had to stay for a whole month. So it kind of added into the whole like feeling trapped Mm -hmm. thing and being kind of scared. Do I have a job when I get back to mainland? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it was 
I got island fever towards the end, so I'm like, maybe a bigger island, but I do want to go back. <laughs> I didn't get to do any of the things I had signed up because it was my 30th um, birthday. I went to Hawaii and ended up having to get surgery instead and couldn't mm. take my surf lessons that I had signed up for and all the other stuff. So that's why I'm like, Australia, I'll try that. It's a bigger island. Mm-hmm. It's a bad joke. It's a whole continent. but That's no, yeah. okay. I got you. <laughs> Some people will realize I'm joking, and some people are like, oh, my God, she's an idiot. <laughs> that gaps in education she was talking about. Oh, my God. Speaking American, oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. And now calling Australia an island. What a <laughs> No, I get what you mean. Oh, my goodness. Have you, um, since you moved to the States, you know, when you mm-hmm. were younger, have you been able to go back to Germany or, or Turkey or, Honestly, or the Netherlands? Not, no. Um, no, I haven't gone back. I did Google Earth some of my old addresses, which was fun, but mm-hmm. I haven't. Because okay. one of the things is also is when I had my daughter, I was kind of like, oh my gosh, I can never show her where I grew up. Because I didn't remember the addresses, but then we figured that out and mm-hmm. Google Earth them. And some of the, oh my God, I'll tell you this in a minute, but some of the places have been bulldozed, so that was kind of sad. But Dang. then some of the places were still there, which was nice. And the funny thing is, um, the chapel I used to go to for church is now a strip club. That was funny. Oh my God. <laughs> they kept this thing glass, which I, is even more hilarious. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? Yes. So not Please. in my hometown, but like the adjacent city to my hometown, there's this huge mm-hmm. Catholic church, right? It has oh switched God. between being a church and a nightclub so many times over the past like <laughs> 10, 15 years. So you're saying this is a trend. So it's like sometimes it's been a church now for a really long time, but for oh, a long okay. time it was like a club and then it was a church and then it was a club again <laughs> and now it's a church. <laughs> it wasn't a strip club, it was that. just like a regular nightclub, but that's just so funny to me. That- <laughs> That's so similar. It's like going to church, a whole new meaning. Yeah. I'm going to take you to church. You know song? I'll take you to church. Yes. Yeah, you will. Saints and sinners. Saints oh and sinners. Oh, my gosh. So that church is a strip club now. Yeah, that oh was my funny. God. Yeah, that was a funny one. So I was like, no. It's like, well, I have a way of changing places. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. I have no effect on that. That's hilarious. Yeah. You know, like here in, well, I guess Detroit does it, but I know some places in America, you're not allowed to have sexually progressive or um, not progressive, but certain things within a certain amount of distance from schools and uh, churches yeah. or something. I don't know. Yeah. And it's funny because in overseas, that's not an issue. Like mm-hmm. there's topless beaches. <laughs> the yeah. commercials are topless sometimes. Like. There's not that. So that was also a thing to mm-hmm. get accustomed to where I was like, wow, everybody always wears tops at the beach. Yeah. <laughs> this is different. Yeah. So that was another cultural thing I had to get accustomed to. Yeah. So like some of the places where you grew up don't either don't exist or they've they've changed a lot. Yeah. So, okay. I'm all sure right. that's here too, you know. Yeah. With all the new stuff coming up all the time. So, yeah. You know, but. Okay. I, I was curious, and maybe this is just like a, like a, a basic thing, because we, we hear so much about how the American school system is like pales in comparison to other countries. But did you feel like, I agree with that. you, that's what I was going to ask, like, 
I mean, did you notice that difference yeah, in like standards I mean, or level of quality? Difference. Okay. Because I see it really, I can see it better with my daughter because I have a more like I like as a kid I was kind of like wow this is so easy to just get over <laughs> or you know what I mean yeah. like it's there it was I mean they didn't just the education was it was broader like they didn't care just about you passing tests they mm-hmm. wanted you to actually understand the information they could take the time to make sure of that and that may be also because they knew you were moving around so much mm-hmm. and wanted to make and knew that people would be at different levels so they took that time mm-hmm and I like I find the American school system system to be complete trash. Honestly, oh, wow. it's, it's not even remotely educational in a way. Like they don't teach you anything you really need for college, mm. to or to even do the jobs you're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, I don't know where the disconnect is that education is so far off from what college is. Mm. That it doesn't really even prepare you for college in that way. Mm-hmm. Or even they don't teach study habits or give you that time frame you can because they're too busy trying to throw homework and workbook pages and testing and testing. Like these kids take more tests than they should. Mm-hmm. If you should be able to tell whether or not a kid understands what you're teaching them mm-hmm. beyond just tests. If they understand it, they can teach it to others. Like that whole Montessori, I guess, type way of teaching. Hmm. And even like, um, so I went to private schools as well. And that is unfortunate. That's not the model that all kids are learning by. Yeah. Because it was so much better. Mm-hmm. It was so, um, like they really are teaching you the skills. They, I mean, we had study classes to teach you how to study and advice on how to get like with SATs, everything they taught in a way that you could understand. They taught Latin, and so you would understand it in a way to help you break down words and definitions and the roots to things, and as opposed to just wanting you to memorize things for the test. Mm-hmm. And then here comes another test, memorize it for the next test, and the next. Like they're not really giving you the time to learn it, understand it, show it in different ways, because that was another thing. Like they would try to cater to your education style, the way you learned, if you're mm. a visual learner or audible learner. And they can't, I mean, and I think the reason public school is trash is because they're not really spending the money to make it better with better salaries, with better um, yeah. school system. Like it's there. I don't know if they're too much in the tech. I don't know who is in their pockets where they can't really teach kids the way they should be. And, or maybe it's just a North Carolina thing because the school systems here are trash. Mm. My daughter apparently is in the best school system in North Carolina and it's trash. Oh my God. A hundred percent trash. Yeah. I have never in my, like I have gone to parent teacher conferences almost every single quarter and have been disappointed with their excuses for why they're teaching the way they do. Hmm. And they want to diagnose everybody with ADD as well, which is like, like oh, they just want medicated students to right. be able to sit and be quiet and listen without without actually having interaction to show their education. It's, yeah. oh, it's trash. Or instead of teaching computers. to their learning style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a lot of technology, computers, which I get it. It's the wave of the future, but... That's not how people learn is hmm. through. You still need the physical of reading a book, highlighting, going through, rewriting stuff. You're just not going to memorize from typing and copying and pasting. And, re- you know, like, mm-hmm. 
I worry for these kids. Yeah. I mean, luckily I'm a stay at home mom for the most part. So I can fill in the gaps some with her and I don't, because I am dyslexic, I don't want to homeschool her. Mm-hmm. Then she'd really be in trouble. Oh, no, say that. <laughs> I mean, as far as, like, the grammar and all of that stuff, uh-huh. but in that sense, and, like, with math and things, but there's times where I'm just like, whoa. Yeah. I'm glad you understand. I, I can see she's learning, but it's just they're still wasting their time learning things they don't really need to learn just yeah. for the sake of this is the way it, it works, the building blocks. Yeah. Especially with the way you grew up and you know that there's like a different way to do things that can still work. Yeah. Like financial literacy should be a class. Yeah. It's way more important than geometry and Mm -hmm. learning all of that. I mean, I do think that's still a class that needs to be taught. Yeah. But maybe a couple of weeks, not an entire semester on it. Mm -hmm. But there should be an entire class semester on financial literacy because you do need to learn how to buy your own home. Mm-hmm. get credit cards, do your taxes. Like those are the things that'll keep you out of jail and <laughs> fines mm-hmm. and actually maybe create generational wealth as opposed to geometry. Yeah. You can maybe make something one day. You can put it together, your Ikea furniture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unless you're planning to be an architect or um, a designer. Cause you do need to know that yeah. for that. But yeah. That's a very specific. And I think art should be taught way more. And like that should be a bigger focus as well as yeah. far as learning instruments and art. Cause that was a bigger thing over, in, overseas. Like that was important to be, to be well versed in poetry, singing, dance, like art. Dance. Yeah. Like that was something that was included in class, not an elective. Mm. They could be a good human. Right. Well rounded, yeah. like overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to there's that whole caste system where they keep us separated because it's only the rich kids or certain kids that are exposed to that. So then the younger or not younger, the people who are poor don't have expo- exposure to certain things. So it keeps them always separated. Hmm. And the education system is supposed to be the way that it gives that um, even playing ground. Yeah. It's not. And I guess that's part of also your, like, <laughs> when you're like, don't you want to move? Maybe your daughter's education mm-hmm. has a part to play in that, too. <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. It's been, uh, very much so. Like but, I mean, I'm hearing that's kind of a national thing because of the common core and different things they're teaching. That yeah. even the teachers they are teaching it, there's a gap there because they didn't learn that way either. Right. Yeah. And the parents, we didn't learn that way. So we're trying to help. How are we supposed to help their, with, I'm not going back to elementary school to learn how to do math your way. Where's mm-hmm. the YouTube video? <laughs> Same way. Like, it's, it's sad. Yeah. But maybe it'll all turn out because they're all going through it together. Yeah. And thankfully, as you mentioned, you, you're there to like fill in the mm. gaps and take that initiative. So, yeah. uh, She'll be okay. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. But I also think with that generation, they are more accepting of each other's differences. Right. I will, we, some of her other schools, there was a bullying issue with, because it was predominantly white and never again. But mm-hmm. um, as long as she's in a very diverse school, she's been great. And the kids have been great and just very accepting of everybody. That's good. Like, it's really good. Even, you know, the LGBTQ is already <clears throat> a thing as well in middle school. So, like, she's got friends of all um, 
All walks of life. I say lifestyles, but yeah, all yeah. walks of life. There we are. It's not necessarily a lifestyle trip. That's why yeah. I was trying to think of the right. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's all right. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. I know we've been talking for a while. I just have a couple more questions for you, if that's okay. Um, so, uh, I know your experience is different. Like you said at the beginning, it, it, as opposed to doing like a, a degree abroad or being in a particular program, you grew up abroad as, you know, a military kid. But I'm just, uh, wondering, since I ask everyone, do you have any, any tips or advice for people who are, who want to travel more, who are considering living abroad? Like based on your experience, is there any like wisdom you would like to share regarding that? I would say one of the things that I found interesting from my travels was even though we were stationed in one country, we never stopped exploring other countries and mm. doing the museums. Do like I mean, because it was just a drive or a train ride to go to another country. So try to see as much as you can while you can out there. Go yeah. everywhere you can. Um, and don't try to stick within your own group even. Like meet people from those countries and mm-hmm. make friends with them so you get the full experience yeah. of living in that country. So if you kind of do the American version of it, what are you doing? I mean, might as well have stayed here <laughs> in that sense of the scenery. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. go and like, like, I always get so annoyed when we go abroad somewhere and I see all these Americans, like, running towards McDonald's. Like, why are you going to somewhere you can go in America? Like, <laughs> and experience things here, you know. <laughs> I get it. Then maybe they're scared for their stomachs because, yeah, whatever. But I want to go and um, I don't want to go to just the tourist places. I want to go where the, the locals, where their favorite places to go so I can really see because whenever I have traveled, I haven't traveled back to the countries I grew up in, but I've traveled to other countries. Mm-hmm. And that's what I always do is I want to know where they got, like whoever is working in the hotels I'm staying at, I ask them what some of their favorite places, mm-hmm. the concierge people I'll ask different or the taxi drivers or whoever. I'll ask them some of the places because I mean, they, they live off a of tip. So sometimes they already have people business cards within them that they kind of refer and different things for different stuff. So really just um, immerse yourself as much as possible. Take tons of pictures Mm -hmm. and print them out. Yes. And make photo albums of your different adventures. Cause you, you know, we get so used to just everything being in our iPhones Mm -hmm. and you might not always remember each picture and the cloud may delete some and you don't even notice it. But if you have it printed out and just one day, just look through and write the stories. Cause you're going to forget. You'll think you'll never forget everything that happened, but you're going to forget. So yeah. write down the, the funniest stories that, and stuff like journal if you can and, mm-hmm. or video journal it and download it somewhere, but do it as much as you can while yeah. you can, especially if you, don't have children yet because it gets really expensive. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Wait, we got to buy all three passports, all three this, all this, and the luggage. Yeah. And also, there's clothing stores there. So don't overpack. Yes. You can buy ev- everything that you can get in America for the most part you can get wherever you're going. So mm-hmm. save room for that and even bring stuff maybe that you would want to donate there so they have access to american stuff Mm. Mm. homeless you know i have a a friend told me that his friend he'll bring just like an overnight bag and buy all of his clothes 
wherever he travels to and then donates it when he leaves to a homeless shelter. Wow. And I was like, how beautiful is that? Mm-hmm. In that sense. But do this. There's so many options. Yeah. Don't worry about losing your luggage. Give your luggage number. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot easier if it's on your it's on your uh, choice as opposed to them losing it for you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, oh, I was going to give it away anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Let it go. It's a tax write off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. And um, okay. And the last question that I ask everybody is, uh, where can people uh, reach you or keep up with you online if you'd like them to do so? Uh, so on Instagram, I'm at the real Camille Cower, K-A-U-E-R, mm-hmm. and the same for Facebook. And then on Twitter, I'm CK on Air One. Okay. So lots of options to to keep up with what you're doing. Yes, yeah. please do. Yeah, that's great. Okay. A lot of exciting things coming up. Yeah, well, um, I'm, I'll be sure to follow because I didn't know what your handles were before, so I will be sure to follow. And uh, I'll follow back. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, thank you for your, uh, again, for agreeing to be a guest and for your time today. Uh, my apologies for the interruptions before, but I really enjoyed getting to hear about your story. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as well. I did. This was a lot of fun reminiscing going back. Yeah, well, I'm glad. I'm glad. For now, I, I'm, I'm good. I've really enjoyed getting to talk to you and I hope you enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Same with you. I had a lot of fun. Thanks for, um, I'm glad this all worked out. We were able to finally yes. have this conversation. Now that I can talk. Yeah. <laughs> Very important in a podcast world. Yes. <laughs> As a former radio host, I can relate. Yes. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, thank you. This is lovely. And um, yeah, I will, you will hear from me. So I will, I will be in touch with you again as it gets closer to May. So yeah great thank you again for having me on and i hope you have a wonderful day oh thank you likewise (laughs) okay Okay. bye-bye bye camille (laughs) all right y'all there it is thanks to camille for being such a wonderful guest and i hope you like how this all turned out for the rest of you listening don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook, and at YG Abroad on Twitter. And don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to this podcast wherever podcasts are, and you're welcome to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher while you're at it. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, Or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So for the next episode in two weeks, uh, which will be the 60th episode, so that's pretty cool, the guest will be a friend I met while we were both undergraduate students at Michigan State University. And this person not only studied abroad in Tanzania, but she also uh, served in the Peace Corps in Jamaica. So you can look forward to hearing all about that in two weeks. But until then, thank you so much for listening and...
talk to you next time. Oh,